gentlemen, boys and girls and children over the age of 21, welcome to the Hop Nation USA podcast. We are back and it is time for episode 12. I am Sam and with me are my two co-hosts. We have to my right is Steve. What's up, Steve? Not too much. I don't have anything going on. Yeah, I got nothing. How's that, on. <laughs> how's that Canada Dry Raspberry Sparkling Water treating you? Sudsy? Okay. Well, it's Canada Dry. Yeah. So. Sudsy? Bubbles up in your stomach, so no the, belching on the show today. I got bubbles in my tum-tum. I know, mixing that with beer might not be the best of combinations. So. We'll see what happens. I guess we'll hear what happens, too. Now, across from me, as always, is Adam. Adam, how you doing today? I am well, Sam. I am well. I'm here for, for the Dirty Dozen of, of episode 12. Yeah. That's what we're up to. The dirty Dozen, yeah. Lee Majors is going to be on our, on the show. Next week is the Dirty Baker's Dozen. Nice. That's where you put your fingers in the dough. And something else. Ew. <laughs> you know, thinking of the Dirty Dozen, after this show, we will have now consumed 36 beers on this show. Oh, sweet. That's awesome. Also so, math. That's exciting. And we haven't had any repeats yet, so that's good. That is correct. And we are going to continue that trend today, gentlemen. I hope so. And today, our beer theme is actually something that we haven't tried yet on the show, which I'm very excited about. We're taking a, another new and exciting turn, and we are actually going to be going to one of the 50 states today. Hooray! And, and what state would that be, Steve? We're going to do Michigan today. Michigan, the mitten. That is right. We're getting on the mitten. So, as we know, Michigan has a bunch of great breweries. So today, we're going to be trying beers from Michigan breweries. Do you guys know, you guys ever been to Michigan? I have. Yeah? I have. Now, unfortunately, the only time I've been to Michigan, that was a that was a midnight cannonball run to Grand Rapids, Michigan, and then came right back. Uh, I will tell you that when we did that run, we made the mistake of stopping at a gas station in Detroit at 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Bad idea. Very bad idea. Yeah. We're lucky to have you back right now. <laughs> you have no idea. And yeah, the that's a fifty-fifty right there. <laughs> when when the cashier is locked into a bulletproof case, not even locking the door, but locking the door and then locking themselves inside the bulletproof case before you can come in, you know you're it's time to get the hell out of town. Nice. Now, what were you getting in there that was so important? Because if I walked into a gas station and saw that, I'd probably just be like, "Screw it, I'll get something somewhere else." The bathroom. Ooh. Okay, pretty important. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say you <laughs> yeah. might need that. So. That one is non-negotiable. Yeah. Steve, you ever been to Michigan? Uh, in passing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, I'd never really stopped for any extended period of time. Okay. I've been to Michigan, and I'm trying to remember the town. It was a little town on the lake. Janie and I went on vacation one year with her parents there, and we it was only for a couple of days. We went up, and they rented like a little lake house. And were you guys on one of the Great Lakes? We were. Or just a pretty good lake. Um. Or just one of the thousand. The thousand lakes. I mean, it, it's the state of a thousand lakes, isn't it? No. Okay. No, you're thinking of Minnesota, which is the state of ten thousand, the land of ten thousand lakes. Yeah. Okay, that's fair enough. So it definitely wasn't Minnesota. I was not a geography major. Michigan. I can see this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. We were on one of the Great Lakes, and we were at the beach there. I think it was Lake Superior. That's the one that runs between Minnesota and Michigan, right? Mm, that's the one that runs across the top. Yeah. Huron. Huron, I believe, is between Michigan and Wisconsin. Yeah, that's the one. Huron. Okay. That's what I was going for. So that's the one we were on. Can't remember the town, but whatever. It was a nice little trip. Let's get into our first beer of the day, and then we'll talk some more about Michigan as we do it. And I'm going to introduce our first beer, and it is from a brewery called Shorts Brew. And I'm excited about this beer because 
I've never had it before, and I bought it solely on its tagline. And the tagline is, a complex malt and hop theme park in your mouth. And the beer I'm speaking of is the Huma Lupalicious, which is an IPA, as we know, my favorite style of beer, but a whole theme park in your mouth. Now, theme, theme parks are pretty eclectic, right? So mm-hmm. you have a lot of different varieties of rides, people, food, games, things like that. I'm very interested to see what this beer is going to bring to our glass. See, I'm, I'm a little apprehensive on this one because if it tastes like the Thunderbolt, I'm not finishing it. <laughs> what if it tastes like 2017 Geauga Lake? Oof. <laughs> Oof. That sounds rough. Yeah. Now, I guess there's only one way to find out, though. Let's crack this bad boy open. Pop it open. Let's crack it open. So, while I pour this beer for us, as a gentleman would do... Mmm, yes. You guys know anything about the state of Michigan or breweries in Michigan? Oh, I just might. I just might. Yeah? What do you know? I was on the uh, Brewers Association website, and they have stats on every state and the breweries that are in them. Yeah? So, uh, for Michigan, we're looking at 222 breweries, making it the sixth highest. You say it was 222? Yes. So you want to know something neat about that? What's that? That is one brewery for every 45,000 people in the state of Michigan. Which also makes it 3.1 breweries per capita. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Now, per capita, what do you mean by per capita? Per 100,000 people. Yeah. Yeah. How awesome is that? Right, yeah. That's dope as hell. Would you like to know what state comes in seventh? I would assume that that is Pennsylvania. Yep. I hope it's Pennsylvania. And that, with a lead-in like that. 205. Yes. Yeah. We are coming up hot. Yeah, we really are. 205? Yeah. So what's number one? I've got two thoughts in my head. Okay, well, why don't you try to take a guess? California. Okay. That's, yeah. All right. Or Colorado would probably be two. Yeah, yeah, Colorado is two. California comes in with 623 breweries. Craft craft breweries. That's a lot of drinking. Yeah. Do you care to guess what state produces the most? I'm going to go with Wisconsin. Okay. Sam? I'm going to go with Missouri. Missouri? (laughs) Nope. No. We're back to Pennsylvania again. Are we really? Pennsylvania produces 3.9 million barrels. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, wait, were we just talking about craft, or were we talking about craft. all beer? No, craft. Oh, just, yeah, okay. just craft. Well, I guess Missouri, yeah. <laughs> because Budweiser being there. Oh, yeah. But no, no, uh, PA has produced the most barrels of craft beer. Really? Yeah. Now, in that, That's are, fantastic. are they considering Yingling to be a craft beer producer? I can't tell you that, and I imagine they actually do. Because they are kind of on that cusp, not unlike Sam Adams, mm-hmm. where... They're independent. They are completely independent, but just because they're independent doesn't mean that they're craft. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like because they're independent and they're local to the state. I think they're going to be. Yeah. Know? But so. yeah, so so PA produces the most. Uh, going back to Michigan, though, they are actually 11th in craft brew production. Just in terms of pure volume. Mm-hmm. Wow. We're doing uh, 850,000 barrels. Damn. Per year. That's still pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that a is. lot of booze. Speaking of booze, let's get to a much smaller size, the ones that we have right in front of us. Yep. So once again, we are trying the Shorts Brew, the Huma Lupa Licious. It's an IPA. What color would you say this? It's not. It's darker than a straw, but I would say it's lighter than a copper. How about like a Cara Cara orange? What? The peel of it. Okay. <laughs> sure. Okay. Where did you come up with that? I don't know. I just saw this, and that's what I thought of. You just so. had inspiration. That exactly. Was, that was first thing in his head. Yeah. Okay. All right. That, if you didn't want to know, you shouldn't have asked. Yeah. <laughs> rule, rule in life. You got me on that one. 
Otherwise, though, it's a very clear beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a lot of sediment. Nope. Nice head retention, at least on mine. Yeah, on mine, too. Good lacing. Decent, somewhat subtle smell. I can smell the hops for sure, but I'm not overpowered by them. I can feel... I, I feel... I can smell a, a bit of the maltiness. Yeah, it, ha- it has much more of a earthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not a, citru- not a citrus nose to it. Well, let's shall just, we? Let's just, let's just drink the we damn We shall. Hmm. Okay. I'm on board. Yeah. It's not overpowering. Not at all. It is not overpowering. But the hop flavor is there. Yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. You can taste the hops. You can taste that it's an IPA. It stays yeah. true to the style, but it's not overly hoppy, that's for sure. Well, it's not overly hoppy, but to me, with my, my palate that does not prefer these, the hoppiness definitely sticks around on the aftertaste a lot yeah. more than others that I have had in the past. Yeah, I, I'm finding this really balanced. It's not quite like you're eating a hop pellet, no. but you can tell that there was there is a hop residue. Yeah, on your tongue. Uh, well, I'm getting is I'm getting it's very balanced because I'm getting hop taste all throughout. Like there's no big punch in the mouth no. up front, and it just lasts all the way through the drinking experience, and you know gives you the aftertaste like you're saying, Adam. Yeah, I'm, I'm tasting some Simcoe, maybe some Chinook hops in there. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Chinook hops. Because you do, like to Adam's point, you do get a little bit of that piney aftertaste to mm-hmm. it that does linger a bit. Mm-hmm. But not too bad. I, I like it. I don't know if I'm willing to call it a theme park yet, but... It's not a theme park. Yeah, yeah. As the tagline says, it's I don't know if it's a theme park in my mouth either. Unless but. they just have, like, the erasers and that's it. <laughs> it's just, like, one whiplash and then... Yeah. then and a, a scrambler. Yeah, a scrambler and a guy with five teeth. So it's pretty much a county fair in your mouth. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm getting a county fair in my mouth. Yeah, you gotta, yeah. Especially with the earthiness. not Kennywood, not yeah. Cedar Point. No, 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 no. Not Six Flags. Not Great Adventure. Nothing. None of that. I'm getting a county fair, especially because of the earthiness. I'm thinking it's like a 4-H beer, and, and, and maybe a bunch of kids with a pouch of Red Man climbing on the scrambler. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what I'm getting out of yeah. this right now. That they definitely shouldn't have. You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll continue to, to sip on this beer, see if the taste changes at all as we go through the segment. So, what are we talking about next, gents? Beer. Well, Beer, yes. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about beer. Okay. One topic that's worth touching on is we're right uh, kind of at the tail end of American Craft Beer Week. We are. A, a nation, nationwide celebration. Nationwide celebration. Of all things craft beer. We're in the 12th year of it. Actually. Really? Yeah. There was the Brewers Association that was formed in 2005. Mm-hmm. And they set out to bring forth this event for us to promote the craft of beer making all throughout the country. Well, I would say it has been quite successful. I would say so, too. Seeing as there are three Jamokes here at the table uh, having a podcast about craft beer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, (laughs) at that point, it's self-sustaining. So, well done. Good job, craft beer. And uh, interesting fact about the Brewers Association. Okay. Our own Sean Casey from the Church Brew Works brewery is on their board of directors really oh, yes so is that the same sean casey that used to work play for the pittsburgh pirates it is yeah sounds to me like we need to get that guy on the podcast yeah that would try. be awesome we need to get some more guests we need to put sean K- casey through the eye of the hurricane challenge <laughs> he would do it i'm hosting oh he'd definitely do it. do it he's on dve all the time he's crazy yeah i think he'd do it i think he'd have a blast with that yeah. sean casey would take this podcast to the next level that's mm. how good he is on the radio <laughs> i hear him on dve all the time he's awesome very very funny now who would take the podcast to the next level farther sean casey or rick seaback definitely sean casey i don't know how why we... not both yeah that's true we could <laughs> have uh, a 
<gasps> we can have a oh a KCC back Thunderdome situation. KCC back Thunderdome. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would almost be too much for the podcast to have both of those legends on at the same time. It'd be See, too much for the podcast because we only have four microphones. Well, that too. <laughs> so speaking of mm-hmm. the man, the myth, the legend, mm-hmm. uh, we were actually in his presence uh, last weekend. Yeah, yes, I gave we him a high five. So did I. Nice. I called him Mr. Seaback. <laughs> he said thank you. It was a thing we had. Oh. Yeah, did he I, also pour you a beer? So no. Okay. Which is some of yeah, I, I didn't get my board, um, I didn't get my pour from him either. So, so yeah, because it was one of those things. Because uh, well, I guess we should explain what the hell we're talking about. That would be a good it. idea. Let's not ah. get into get into deep here until the audience knows what we're referring. Nah, to. we just saw Rick Z back and he was pouring beer. <laughs> just out on the street. But where? Just out on Liberty why? Avenue. Where and why? What the hell was he doing? He was being Mr. Pittsburgh. He's always Mr. Pittsburgh. I know. Well, he was he was fulfilling that role at. Of course, Beers of the Bird, uh, one of the finest beer festivals in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in my humble opinion. Uh, this year, agree. it was held at the Cary Furnace. Yeah. And I believe this is the first year that the Beers of the Bird has been held at Cary Furnace. Well, the, sum, the summer story. edition. <laughs> Correct. They held the first winter edition of Beers of the Bird there last November. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I guess I should put that qualifier on there. The first summer one, which to me is the big one. Beers of the Berg is really the premier beer festival where all of the Pittsburgh brewers get together. And, well, excuse me, not just the brewers, the Pittsburgh breweries get together mm-hmm. and sample out some of their beers right. for consumers. And it's it's local only. You won't see any national breweries there. Now, the right. one thing I will say that is, is uh, I won't say you're wrong, but I'll expand on a little bit. It's not just Pittsburgh anymore. Uh, you're getting into just western Pennsylvania at this point. Uh, you're getting breweries from Indiana. You're getting down into Cannonsburg, Washington, PA. You're you're expanding outside of the metropolitan area, which is yeah. great because it for me personally, a lot of these breweries I don't get a chance to go to. I, I don't go to Indiana, Pennsylvania that often. Right. But some of the beers that came out of that town are really really good. Yeah, that is a good point. And a lot of the local bars or grocery stores, places around here, you you don't even see those beers migrate out here very often. So mm-hmm. it, it is a great opportunity to meet some of those folks and try their beers. That's if they even can migrate, because a lot of the time they're not even up to the task of selling. Correct. Like they don't. They don't like a number of the Butler breweries and and the one out of Cannonsburg. They are just opening up, so they don't have the ability to. Eat. They can't. They're not canning. They're not bottling. So they can't even really get their kegs even down into the area because yeah. they have to supply themselves first. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Rust- this is really a great way for them to promote. come out and promote their beers. Rusty Gold is who you're thinking of coming out of Rusty Cannonsburg. Rusty Gold out of yeah, Cannonsburg. Okay. And I will say that their their cream ale was quite good. It really was. It, it was it was a nice, simple, clean beer. And that's enough for me to, to go down there when they open up. They should be opening up this summer, talking yeah. talking with their proprietors. They're they're shooting to open up this summer with food. They will have food there, hmm. and yeah. I I fully intend on going down there whenever they open. Yeah, yeah I'm excited to check it out. So, so you so you mentioned their 1802 uh, cream ale. Mm-hmm. You liked it a lot. I liked it. I, I, I liked it a lot as well too. It, it was a very simple and clean drinking beer. What was everybody's favorite? Ooh, that's a tough one. I I had a few that that definitely jumped out at me. Uh-huh. Uh, one which I found rather intriguing was came from a brewery that there there are some differing opinions on. I don't necessarily agree with the dissenting opinions, but Rivertown, mm-hmm. they they flexed their muscles on on their beer that they brought this year. They showed heart. They, they showed potential. I I believe it was beyond potential and heart. I believe that they. 
they dropped a bomb this year. Which one? Uh, I'm talking about the fancy smoking jacket, of course. Okay. I enjoyed that. That beer. was a really, was really that was that a was really, really good beer. Exactly. And for you two to say that you really enjoyed it says a lot. Yeah. It what type really of beer good. was that? Remind, that was the, remind that was me the and everybody sour. else. The smoke sour. Okay. Correct. Yeah. So smoked sour, and that's an interesting too that they would even go above and beyond and kind of try that because you don't see smoked sours often. No, you no. don't. I've seen hopped sours and things like that, but never a smoked sour. So to me, that was that was them coming out of not necessarily their shell, but they were going in a in a bigger, bolder direction than what I've seen in the past, and I really liked what they had. Uh, what about you guys? What did you uh, What did you guys put at the top of your beers of the Berg podium, Sam? There was a couple for me. I would say in third place <laughs> was the Four Seasons Barrel Aged Belgian Triple. That was pretty good. That beer was fantastic. That's actually the beer that Rick Seaback poured for yeah. me. It was a special tapping at 5 o'clock, and I was one of the first in line, and Mr. Seaback poured it for me. And I, my wife got a picture of it, and it's on our Instagram account, so check that out. Coming in second, taking the silver, was a beer from Dry Log Brewery in Millvale. And I can't remember the name of the beer, but it was this lime beer aged in tequila barrels. Oh, it was okay. that lime sour aged yeah. in tequila okay. barrels. And normally, I'm not even a big tequila fan, but this beer was fantastic. It tasted kind of like a sour margarita, but in a good way, so you mm -hmm. knew you were still drinking beer, which I really enjoyed. And then my gold is going to be not from Rusty Gold, but from my yeah. absolute favorite craft brewery in Pittsburgh, Grist House. Uh, they had a beer called the Troop 412. Ah, uh, yes. It wasn't something they even brewed specifically for this event. It's something you could find down at their tap house, but yeah. I had not had it. And it's kind of this mint chocolate porter kind of. As I understand it, it is it is very similar to the Thick Mint by Southern Tier. Yeah, it kind of rivaled that. I think if I had to uh, put the two and two right next to each other, I'd still give the Thick Mint the win. But yeah. this beer, this porter was excellent, as nice. I would expect nothing less from Grist House. Yeah, I think the difference between the two is the Thick Mint is just a straight-up dessert stout, mm -hmm. and it's literally thick. Yeah. Whereas yeah. The, this porter was a little thinner. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's a little easier to drink. Well, Southern Tier is very good at bringing in the, the big dessert beers. Yeah, because it's all, it's all Blackwater series. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. What impressed you the most, Steve? What the, You don't have to give a top three or anything, but what did you have that actually just either surprised you, blew you away, or just was very, very pleasant? Okay, well, as far as surprising, I was actually surprised at the number of beers there that were um, aged in wine barrels. That seems to be a new thing going mm -hmm. on. There was the one Sam just mentioned at Four Seasons. Mm -hmm. Church Brew Works, I believe, had their own, which was in the same style. Yeah. Okay. It, was, it was a Belgian triple in red wine, and I believe the brew gentleman had one that was aged in Chardonnay barrels. Oh, yeah, they did. I remember yes, that they one. Did. And that one really surprised me because I like that one a lot. <laughs> you probably didn't want to like it or I, expect to like I it. I didn't expect to like it because, like again, I I believe I mentioned when we were talking about the the Rebellion Red from Whitehorse, mm -hmm. that I'm not a wine fan. Right. And so, like, wine flavors don't really do much for me. But this but that, one did. That white Chardonnay from uh, Brew Gentleman was fantastic. Nice. The other two beers, though, that really stood out to me that I really want more of, there was one from Shoe Brew. Okay. And it was a Mexican hot chocolate. Oh, that was good. Yeah. I forgot about that one. That one was really good. That one was killer because yeah. it was... It was very similar to the one I brewed. <laughs> right. But, uh... It was made with habaneros. That's the thing. That's what was different. They made it with habaneros, where we stopped just at anchos and cinnamon. Yeah. Mm. They also stepped it up and went with habaneros, and it had it, such a good spice to it. was so it. good. Yeah. 
That other one that they brought from Schuber, I can't remember what the name of it was, but it was their IPA, the Jungle Boots. The Jungle Boots, uh, Jungle Boots IPA. IPA. Yeah. That was fantastic. That was probably the best IPA I had at the whole festival. Hmm. That, that thing was damn good. That one I would call a theme park in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> because that, it, it just had so many different flavors jumping all around. Just going it. every which way. Yeah. Well, I talked to the brewer, and he said in the brewing process, he used six different hops to make that beer. Right on. Mm-hmm. You know what my overall winner, though, for all of it? What's that? From Levity. That rye whiskey barrel tiramisu. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I had that. Like, they didn't even really have a name for it. Mm-hmm. It was something very experimental that they just trotted out. I remember that one, and that one, that Holy one was really shit. good. Yeah. We, could, we could go on for another hour talking about all the We really beers. could. We really yeah. could. So, and overall, it's just an event everybody in Pittsburgh should visit. <laughs> so if you're listening to this right now, you've missed the one that was in the spring. <laughs> but lucky for you, there is another one coming up in November. It's just called the Beers of the Berg Winter Warmer. They do two a year. And I'm guessing with the success that they've had at the Cary Furnace, um, sure, it's going to go back there. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't see Furnace, why not. Cary Furnace is a, is a good place to have those sorts of things as mm-hmm. well. It, it definitely gives you the old Pittsburgh vibe. Yeah, you a lot of history there and everything. And just... The fact that that city of Braddock yeah. just kind of—it needs a little revitalization. It's and a little ha- loving. And mm-hmm. having having events like that down there are really mm-hmm. good for it. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad it's down there, even though it's a truck for me. <laughs> <laughs> this beer that we're drinking right now—what do you guys think? I dig it. Yeah, I dig it too. The Humalupalicious, reminding everybody from Shorts Brew. Uh, yeah, I. This beer is is a good IPA for me. Uh, it's got the IPA flavor that I like. As I've mentioned in previous podcasts, I'm a big fan of the Chinook hop. I really like the full pint Chinooky, and I, I can taste that in here. And Fuggle for life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't have much to gush about, but I really like the beer, and it's something that I could definitely drink. So it's not gushable, but it's chuggable? It's a drinkable? Yeah. Drinkable, chuggable, tasteable. Steve? Huxable? <laughs> Huxtable. Huxtable. <laughs> See, I like to jump to the hook and chinooky in the back, back, back. Damn it. Uh, like, I'm not the biggest fan of the Chuck Cop. Mm. Like, uh, like Sam said, he likes the full pint chinooky. I'm not the biggest fan of that beer. Right. But this beer is so mellow mm-hmm. in comparison with its usage of hops and just the fact that it feels really balanced a little more to the hop side than you know than other beers but uh it should be because it's an ipa uh but i i really enjoy it yeah i could definitely have a number of these right on i'll be about them adam adam where are you at now well i i can appreciate what they're going for in terms of a balance between your malt and your hop it is not a theme park in my mouth well, we've established that yeah. it's a county <laughs> fair it's not, the back of the woods county fair, <laughs> county fair right. with not a ton of rides yeah and to me the it, with just the balance and everything like that is is perfectly fine but unfortunately the hop residue that sticks around mm-hmm. not my bag now okay. that that comes down to personal taste yeah that that is not a bash on the beer in terms of ability and you know in craftsmanship and things like that but it's just not for me fair enough well, that's great. That is the shorts, uh, Humalumalipus, Humalupalicious. Can't even say that. That's a, that's a big time tongue twister. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to continue our journey down Michigan Lane and venture elsewhere in the state to a new brewery when we get back. So stay tuned, everybody.
Welcome back, Hop Nation. We're here for segment two, and we are traveling around that mitten. As you know, our beer theme for the day is Michigan beers, and we're trying different beers from different Michigan breweries. Adam, what are we trying next? We are actually going to be trying something that, and we have had beer from this brewery before as part of our Kentucky Derby special, but of course I am talking about Dark Horse Brewing. And they are oh. out of Marshall, Michigan. Oh. Now, 20-point bonus question. Does anybody know where Marshall, Michigan actually is? Michigan? On the thumb. No. On the thumb? No. Palm Reader? No. On the thumb? No. Was Virginia? In Detroit? No. On the thumb? No. Lake Erie? No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no. No, Marshall is actually just outside of Battle Creek, Michigan. On the thumb? No, it's not on the thumb, you ass. It's on the palm, actually. <laughs> Steve doesn't know geography. <laughs> Hell Dur- no. During the break, he thought New Orleans was in Mississippi. Yep. Oof. So that was a big mess, especially since we've all been to New Orleans together. Yeah, well. So if you are traveling between Detroit and Battle Creek, Michigan, you will wa- you will drive right past Marshall, Michigan. So do you guys know what was founded in Battle Creek, Michigan? Rob Van Dam? No. Yes. No. No, he was. Was he really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. That's, you, where, that's where Rob Van Dam's from. Do you know what else was founded in Battle Creek, Michigan? No. Kellogg cereals. No. Oh, that's right. Boom. Because right, I remember that, oh, what was that shitty movie with Anthony and Hopkins and... Speed. No. And that was Dennis Hopper. <laughs> <laughs> They're all the same. Uh, I was like, Welcome to Wellville or something like that. Is that the one that had... Uh, Welcome to Mooseport? No, that's oh, the one with that Ray Romano. <laughs> that's Ray Romano. Hey, can we talk about beers instead? Yeah. Okay, let's talk about this beer. We haven't even gotten to what the name of the beer is. No. Yeah, what are we drinking? Uh, it's it not is, the Rail Aspar. It nope. is not the Rail Aspar. Been there, done that. <laughs> we are drinking the Dark Horse Raspberry Ale. Okie doke. It should be quite different from the IPA that Sam brought onto the show as part of segment one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this clocks in at a nice and tidy 5% alcohol, or ABV if you're in the know. And the IBUs is a very, very respectable 10. Good. Wow, that's right and up your alley. Yes, it is. So I'm going to take it out of the bottle, put it into my alley, also known as my glass. Count to all those IBUs on two hands. I don't call my glass my alley. And I can't get this thing to work. There, there we go. go. There it is. Did it. Beer oh. is flowing. Opa. This beer looks like it has the exact same color as the last one. <laughs> Doesn't I'm it? not going to disagree, but it is really hazy. It is a much, much hazier beer. And there's not much head retention on it either. I got a bunch of head on mine. Look. I guess so. Well, <laughs> I don't have any on mine. He doesn't have any on his. Yeah, so one out of three ain't bad. No. So, there so you go. Same, same color, hazier. Right. Head retention isn't quite the same as what it was with the first beer that we had from Shorts. Smells like raspberry. <laughs> Smells like a raspberry beer. I'm getting um, like a sour raspberry. The, uh, the raspberry is there, but it is not overpowering, and I think that is a good thing. I would call it a barely there. <laughs> no, no, go ahead and explain it. Because it's a raspberry there. I don't get it. Because I don't taste much of it. <laughs> My initial impressions on this are, it's a good beer. It's not a showstopper. It's not something that's going to absolutely knock your socks off. But I like it. This seems like something that you can definitely relax with. I'm not super impressed with it. I don't think I'm sold on it yet either. It kind of tastes like a raspberry shortcake. What's wrong with that? I don't know. 
<laughs> I didn't say there was anything wrong with it. It's just that's what it tastes like to me. So hmm. I'm kind of indifferent at this point. Well, I've only had a couple sips. Perhaps we should kind of let it uh, wash over our tongues throughout the rest of the segment. Maybe your impressions will change throughout. Maybe. So perhaps we should get to our next topic. Hey, real quick. You guys remember those? I can't remember the name of it, but those raspberry cream candies that we used to eat in high school. Oh, they're the, like the hard ones. The and, hard ones. And, and like, sucked on them. They were like, they had a bunch of flavors because they had peach ones too. Yeah, orange ones. Taste sensations. Was that, that yeah, 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 I think you're right. Yeah. Taste sensations. Yeah. That's kind of what this tastes like to me. A taste sensation. Okay. I can see that. I it's, can, it's not sweet enough, but... It's yeah. kind of got that creaminess to it. It does. It does have a creaminess, and that, that's what made me think of that, because we used to eat those all the time in high school, especially during track practice for whatever reason. Because you could. Yeah, I guess so. Because somebody brought them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our track coach actually used to bring them. All right, we'll keep drinking it. We'll get back with you guys at the end of the keep segment. It up, keep an open mind on this bad boy. I am. I'll try. Oh, okay. I'll try. Talking about American Craft Beer Week, mm-hmm. I think it might be good to bring up something else that's been in the news as somebody has been making a bit of waves. Who is that somebody? It would be Anheuser-Busch InBev. <laughs> Those guys again. <laughs> Those guys. Uh, in the past two, three weeks, they've made some moves that have made some waves. Okay. And now, before we get into this any further, why would Anheuser-Busch InBev impact the craft beer market whatsoever. They're they're a big giant. What would they be doing to impact the little guy? Okay, so for what people may or may not know is uh, Anheuser-Busch InBev, they are a giant macro brewery and they represent some of the biggest brands in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, among them would be Budweiser, of course. Of course. Uh, really? Yeah. Budweiser? I know, right? Oh my God, I'd, I've never heard of that. How have you not? <laughs> But uh, they also represent Corona, Stellar Artois, Bex, and Fosters. Und Bex? Und Bex. <laughs> Und Bex. <laughs> Something they've been doing in recent years is mm. buying up craft breweries. Now, and when you say buying up craft breweries, you're talking the, the smaller regional and even localized right. breweries. Uh, this would include Goose Island, for example. Which is a, a kind of a knife in the heart for Sam. I know that. I know. Goose yeah. Island was always one of my favorites, and I... I really shed a tear when they, dare I say, sold out to I mean, InBev. I mean, that's what they did. Mm-hmm. That's that's literally they what they did. In. Yeah. They, they sold out, they cashed in. The buying of these craft breweries isn't a new practice for InBev, mm-hmm. per se. Uh, they've been doing it for a while, and it continually pisses people off, <laughs> as they do, because you wind up getting, a lot of us feel like you get a lesser product. Getting brought down by the man. Right. I mean, I can't tell you the last time I went out and searched a Goose Island beer outside of the Bourbon County Stout. Correct. I mean, I still will give it that that one's... That one's... Yeah. But I think that those are still more locally produced. Mm -hmm. They're, They're... the Bourbon County style is not mass produced by any No, 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 no. No. And that's, so the, is that, that's the thing with all of these breweries, all these regional breweries that are being bought up. They're still maintaining the same size, and they're still maintaining the the facade of being an independent brewer. Yeah, and it's now that they have a line of beers almost that is their standard offering that they're now producing at a macro level to distribute to a lot of them close to 50 states. Right. And what you just brought up, Adam, is one of the things we'll get into, we'll get into, but you just mentioned how these uh, breweries are trying to maintain the facade of being small. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you an example of one that's not. Okay. And it, it 
it might be something interesting worth talking about. But we'll get to that. Sure, sure. So sure. outside of what InBev has been doing with buying up craft breweries, uh, something I saw most recently is, uh, well, they bought out a South African hop farm. Okay. And why would they do that? Why would they do that? To control the hops coming out of South Africa. Oh, my. Yeah. Hmm. That's some standard oil shit there. That's exactly what is happening. <laughs> this was this is so Rockefeller. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'll tell you what happened. They bought out, um, it's called the SAB Farms. Okay. And it's a hop farm that is producing hops out of South Africa. Part of the hops that are coming out of South Africa, they are very high in alphas. It's a lot of citrus and that kind of flavor. Right. So they're, they're, they're sought out, especially among craft brewers who are looking for something new to experiment with. InBev bought out this hop farm, and all of the hops that were dedicated to going to uh, indie craft brewers, okay, were now cut off. Oh, so really? If, if yeah. you were not, if you were not directly involved with Anheuser Busch, Imbev, you no longer had access to those hops. Right. You can no longer buy them. Yeah, that's really that's, that's some Rockefeller shit there. On top of that, it's being reported that the breweries that are the the quote unquote craft breweries mm-hmm. that are involved with Anheuser Busch have not met the same demand. So, like, Goose, Goose Island is not as interested mm-hmm. in using these South African hops to the point that it would uh, generate the same demand and they, they wouldn't sell the same amount of hops. So, basically, they, they bought this hop farm, dictated that they cannot sell to independent brewers and are driving this hop farm into extinction. I wouldn't say they're going to drive it into extinction. I have a feeling once InBev's all uh, satellite breweries and everything get their fill, which sounds like they're not wanting a whole lot, Mm-hmm. They're going to probably resell the excess. Yeah, because that seems like bad business. Yeah, I mean, to not do that. Because I mean, that's something what Sam Adams does. They they sell off excess. They do. Well, ingredients. Sam Adams is one of those weird ones where they're they can play with the big boys, but they're small enough that they can can still be considered a craft, you know, a craft brewery. Now there's some debate on that. I'm not going to get into that. Right. But they are willing to help out the independent brewers. Uh, I know that during hop shortages in the past that they have opened up their... Their storehouse. Their storehouse yeah. uh, and, and helped some of the, uh, the smaller independents stay afloat with, mm-hmm. their, with their hop reserves. Absolutely. So I see something similar happening, but like you said, Sam Adams has done it in shortages. Mm-hmm. We're not looking at a shortage. We're looking at a control. <laughs> right. We're, lo- we're looking at demand. Which is a whole other animal. Yeah. It's going to probably set a high price point. Mm-hmm. A lot of the indie brewers may not buy it. And that's if this even happens. Right. Uh, so they, the indie brewers would have to buy off of InBev if they right. wanted these hops. Right. And at that point, why would they do that in the first place? Unless they're really looking to try to get experimental. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You, you have to you have to wonder how good are these hops. Right. Again, they're the only hops coming out. I mean, you can only get them out of that region. Right. And I've read some of the profiles on them. You, like, I've seen alpha acids as high as 20%. Up in the 20s? Yeah. And some of the flavor profiles is like a lot of regional berries. Okay. One of them had hmm. like almost a tobacco. <laughs> yeah, that sounded All really. All right, but yeah. that's something you don't know until you try it. it you want to experiment? Delicious. With it. Yeah, it, yeah, it perked my interest hmm. reading about it. So, what's to prevent another hop farm opening up in South Africa and essentially doing the exact same thing, but not selling out to InBev? Uh, it, Money. It's, it's, yeah, it's just a manner of actually getting the land and everything to do that. Whatever government restrictions there are, maybe you can't dedicate that much farmland to hops. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to dedicate a certain amount to food and a certain amount to, you know. 
So I guess it is it is a good thing that a lot of the hops can be grown in American climates. So there there won't be a general hop shortage. No, 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 no. It's just these specific South African hops are being mm-hmm. controlled by InBev. Yeah, that's kind of kind of shady. It's like a bully move. Yeah, it's it, yeah. it's a total Standard Oil mm-hmm. Rockefeller bully move. I'm going to control this production, yep. and then you are not going to get any. You can get some if you sign up with us. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to cost you. Yeah. Cost you your soul. It's going to cost you. So that that's one of the dick moves. That's probably the <laughs> biggest dick move there's, I've seen in Bev Pool. <laughs> there's more? Another dick move. On May 27th, there's a brew pub opening in San Diego. Okay. And it's called the Ten Barrel Brew Pub. Uh, Ten Barrel it was a microbrewery out okay. of Bend, Oregon. All right. They're now just a another arm of InBev. And since they've become an arm of InBev, they have opened four brew pubs. Okay, so they've kind of become a chain. Right. So they have two in Oregon, one in Idaho, one in Colorado. And now their fifth one is opening up in San Diego. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Yeah. We'll see if it pays off for them. <laughs> so, like, seeing this, I started thinking about, like, there's other these other arms of InBev and everything. Mm-hmm. They don't really do this. Like, right. Goose, Goose Island is still mainly focused in Illinois. Mm-hmm. And they have, like, one little sidearm bar down in Kentucky. Yeah. It's, like, called the Goose Island Beer Bridge. Now, to counterpoint that, there are other breweries that have that have a similar setup to that. Okay. Uh, Gordon Biersch, they, they have that sort of setup where they have brew pubs throughout. Uh, I know they're, they have some in D.C., Baltimore, that area. Mm-hmm. Um, Rock and, bottom. But I, I, are, are, they, are they crossing state lines? That's what I'm getting at is I'm... Yes. Yes, they are. Okay. Well, I mean, is it really going D.C. to Maryland? <laughs> I, I will say that they, they are not a, a small regional setup. Yeah. They are much more widespread than you would expect. Uh, the other one is is BJ's. Okay. The pizza place. Right. Um, again, but they're not marketing themselves as like a craft beer. They are, but they aren't. Because if you look at it, in, in my mind, to just the, the layperson, if you aren't a Budweiser or a Miller or a Coors, then you're almost automatically a craft beer. Okay, I can, I can see what you're getting at. And I think at. that's the angle that they're, they're using is they're not saying anything, all, anything at all and letting the consumer make that decision. Okay. Which is perfectly fine. Yeah. But those places, they're not really a brewery. They're restaurants that also happen to brew their own beer. Like it kind of almost like American versions of Hofbrauhaus, House, mm-hmm. and you know, well, Rock Bottom is right. an American same thing. But what's the difference? Well, the difference is they're a restaurant. Yeah, and you cannot get that beer right. outside of that restaurant. You won't okay, find so it on draft can... anywhere. You won't find it. Yeah, a ten, ten, ten Barrel. It, like I said, it was a craft brewery, uh, and then it was bought out by InBev. I see what you're saying. So you now. can, so you can still get Ten Barrel uh, beers places. Mm-hmm. What I'm wondering is. Being that, like I said, they have this far reach now where they're in Oregon, Idaho, Colorado, and soon California. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if InBev sees the name Ten Barrel as a marketing... Oh, it absolutely like has a, to be. A, Like a marketing scheme. Because like, like I said, they're not really doing it with their other arms. Right. But this one seems to be growing all over the West Coast, and I wonder how long it's bef- it is before like New York, Philly, Pittsburgh... We start seeing a ten barrel, and it and it getting marketed to us as a craft brew pub. Right, 
Right. Although I think in a well, of course they were able to do it in San Diego, which is one of the meccas of craft beer. Yeah. And that's because my original thought was, well, Pittsburgh, there's a lot of people that know what's going on in terms of craft beer that mm-hmm. might not be accepted. However, we already have Rock Bottom, and in terms of Ten Barrel, they're already going for San Diego. They're going straight for the jugular. Right. You can get Ten Barrel beer out here. Can you really? Oh yeah. 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 Is it any good? Uh, I've I've only actually had two. There's the coffee that Joe. Yeah. It's like a coffee beer, and then there's one called like the Joe IPA, which okay. I had in Florida, and that one was really good. I've had the coffee one here. They've actually been to a couple beer fests mm-hmm. in okay. Pittsburgh. All right. are you don't they're not really readily available. You'd be hard pressed to find it in a Giant Eagle or a Whole Foods, but you can find it out here. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've never I've never ventured into their the repertoire. So the the way this uh, story kind of came to me is that uh, apparently somebody in San Diego is protesting. The, oh, the oh op- this ought to be fun. Yeah, he's protesting the opening of this. Um, are, they, are they standing on a street corner jerking off? Well, no. <laughs> uh, he's not whacking it in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what he is doing, though, is he set up a GoFundMe. Okay. And he was hoping to raise $900 <laughs> to, $900 to <laughs> fly a plane uh, around. Oh, okay. I'm glad around was the next word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very, very important preposition. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> no, he's fl- he's flying one of those messenger planes, and uh, the banner on the back says "Ten Barrel is not craft beer." Okay. Yeah. What that? What's that gonna gain you though? I know it does. It's not a great way to tell people like, "Hey, don't support them because they're not really craft beer." Right. It's, but they are craft beer. Exactly, and that's part of the debate. Right. Like, it, are they craft beer or are they not? It's, it's similar to the. Uh, have you ever gone down the, the Parkway West and looked at the Carpenters Union building? And mm-hmm. they have, every once in a while, they'll have a giant banner that says, shame on X or shame on yeah. Y. Right. That's what they need to be doing. Yeah. Not not this, oh, they're not craft beer. They're not this. They're not. No. Yeah. Shame no, no, on no. InBev. Is, yeah. yeah. Right. You're not going to get the message across with 10 barrel is not craft beer. Because honestly, in, in my pea brain, I hear 10 barrel. That doesn't mean anything to me. Mm-hmm. It's not a brewery that's really known out this way. but Right. It might mean something to someone, Adam. Yeah. InBev may have yanked that someone's heart right out. Because, I mean, you think about it. If they're opening up a brew pub, they are taking up space. They are. And they're trying to take away customers from the actual craft breweries, the the true independents. Locally owned and operated. Right, right. That's just business. Now, before before we wrap this up, Uh and I'd I'd like if you're... Normally, we aren't ones to disappoint our listeners. So if you don't (laughs) want to be disappointed, you might want to tune out for, let's say, the next 30 seconds. And here's why. Or, in case you're thinking of, ah, man, I, I just... I can't get behind InBev after that awesome Hop Nation USA segment that I just heard. I want to read off a couple other breweries that are owned by InBev that you may not know about. Go for it. So these are just North American breweries. I'm not going to go through what they own throughout right, the world. Right, yeah. But uh, Ten Barrel Brewing. I've heard of them. Yeah. Blue Point Brewing, which is yeah. kind of sad. Breckenridge Brewery, which we've tried Breckenridge beers on this show I before. I was not aware of that. Yeah, I know. This one really tugs at my heartstrings, Elysian. That we, one was pretty recent, too. Yeah, I know. I love Elysian beer, too. So I, I haven't... So I'm still coming <laughs> to terms with that one. Goose Island, as we mentioned earlier. Right. All of the Labatt beers they own. Well, I know that's, that's, I know yeah. that's Canada, but yeah. that one and uh, the one that they most recently acquired was actually Wicked Weed, which I'm kind of excited for, in a way. 
because I've always heard that that beer is really good, hmm. and I've never had anything by that brewery. And I know Imbev just bought them, so we should probably be seeing them around. So it's it's not all the evil empire here. At least there is some good that comes of it. That's the thing. I I can't get too mad mm-hmm. at um, just wanting to, to to buy a craft beer. Right, right, right. Let's be honest, and I know we're going way off of what a normal beer podcast would would be, but this is a capitalist society, and you have no friends in a capitalist society. No, you don't. You know, you are here for one reason only. Yeah, I'm not... Like dollar, I said, dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Yeah, like I said, I'm not upset that they want to buy these mm. arms and everything, but it's this other horse shit that they pull with controlling hops, that, con- controlling yeah. ingredients, and trying to market themselves differently. Mm-hmm. See, when they, when they put out Goose Island and Wicked Weed and Ten Barrel and stuff now, they're not going to change their labeling to Correct. reflect that they're now an, an Anheuser-Busch product. Right. But they don't have a, re- they don't have a reason to put no, InBev center of the label no. either. They're, no. They have no reason to do that. So this is a, a debate that we can carry on for hours and hours. I, I don't think we should. No, no. I, I'm going to run out of space on my no. computer. <laughs> no, we can, we can debate that at another time. Yeah. I just wanted to point out that there are some more shadier and disgusting things yeah. that they do. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of things that are not disgusting, we're going to go a complete 180. Uh, this Dark Horse, which is independently owned. Uh-huh. Uh, I did verify that before this podcast. Uh, all, all the breweries we're drinking today are independent. Good. Yes. Yay. Good. Good. Independent Michigan. I thought it was pure Michigan. Shut up. I'm not <laughs> from there. That's what, that's what Tim <laughs> Allen told me. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you guys think of this? The the Dark Horse Raspberry Ale. It's not a very creative name. No. Um, <laughs> it's not a very creative name, and it's not a very good beer. <laughs> you didn't like it? No, not really. I don't know. I just didn't do anything for you. Here here's the thing. I mean, I I I do really enjoy a raspberry flavor, but I wasn't getting much else from it. I mean, it's it's a clean drinker. It's got a lot of raspberry flavor. I feel it does what it intends to do. I just I didn't really care for it. I just, I don't know. There wasn't, it was too sweet for me. Steve? It's strange because I didn't think it was like really sweet enough for me. <laughs> so, so, I've, not I don't somebody's tongue is broken. Tooth. Well, I don't have much of a sweet tooth. Mm. I, I thought it was just more bland than anything. I didn't get a whole lot on the, uh, the raspberry flavor. I don't believe that's what they were going for. Though. No, I don't think they I were. I don't think they were going for a wild blue route. Wild yeah. route. Oh, God. <laughs> That, okay, that's uh, the other end of the spectrum. Right. Yeah, of you don't terrible. want to venture into that territory. <laughs> and speaking of other things that are owned by Anheuser <laughs> that are garbage. Well, they can all keep of those that. wild beers. <laughs> Please, they can keep. Them. <laughs> I don't think they ever tried to market that. It's <laughs> just like we just made trash. <laughs> <laughs> it's real sweet, high in alcohol. Yeah, I, I don't know. This didn't. Uh, this didn't really pull didn't my do trigger though. For you? Nah. If, if I'm drinking a fruit beer, I want a lot of fruit flavor. Okay. This didn't have it for me. That's so. fair. Yeah. All right. Uh, for me, I, I did enjoy it. I will agree it was not fantastic. This seems like the kind of a beer that I would be drinking late in the evening before it gets dark and as a wind-down beer. Okay. Hmm. I, if I look at this as a wind-down beer and not something that I'm looking to impress somebody with, Definitely not impressing yourself with it. Right, <laughs> right, right. But I would drink it. Okay, so you're 
You basically just said this is like a shame beer for you. That was not a shame you said, beer. You said, if I'm alone and it's dark and I don't have to show it to anybody. That's that shame. I'll drink it. That's a shame beer. I'm not going to ring the bell on this one. <laughs> no, but what I, what I mean by that is I'm not going to hand it to somebody and say, you have to try this. Yeah. You, you absolutely have to. You you put down whatever you're drinking and try this right now. No, you say, hey, I got a bunch of these in the cooler. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, you guys want to have a couple of beers? Come on over. We got these to drink. Yeah. And this will fit that bill quite nicely. It, it, it'll fill a role that's better than drinking. Hopefully your blood. friends are females. <laughs> I, I feel like girls would really enjoy this beer. Well, mm. there is that angle as well. Yeah. Yeah. Girls would like this beer. I, I feel like anybody would take this over just Bud yeah. or Bud Light. Yeah. But mm, can't, okay. it doesn't got much more mileage. That's fair. I think that's it, guys. That's all we got. That's no, it. wait. There's one more segment left, guys. Oh, there's one more segment. One more. And oh, we only did two, didn't we? We did. I'm trying we, to go home. <laughs> and we are going to continue something that we started on last week's podcast where we talk about the final two months of summer and give our movie preview of what's to come in the world of cinema. Summer so, movie preview round two. And we got some good ones coming up for you, everybody. So stay tuned. We'll continue our venture around the mitten and we'll talk some cinema. See you soon. Alright, 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 we are back, Hop Nation listeners, and we got one more beer for your drunk ass. And I I'm looking at the can right now. Wait, and did, did did we just sort of fall into some sort of weird sixties DJ vibe here? That felt very very Saturday night. Nah, don't interrupt. You're yeah, looking at the can. <laughs> yeah. You just totally broke my concentration on this can. Now I'm not gonna spoil it, because I'm gonna I want Steve to introduce this can. Now this is our last stop on our travel around the mitten here for our Michigan beers theme. And I'm excited for this one. Not only do I see that it's a double IPA, but just looking at this can, it looks phenomenal. All right, cats and kittens, what we're drinking here is the Latitude 42 Party at the Moon Tower. Party at the Moon Tower. It's a double IPA coming in at 8.4 alcohol. And I can't tell you what the IBUs are because they won't disclose them. Ooh, secret at the Moon Tower. Mystery. Uh, but this is coming from Latitude 42 Brewing, and that's out of Portage, Michigan. Where the devil is that? Uh, it was in the mitten. <laughs> Lower Palm. <laughs> All right, so you're down in, like, Indiana territory. Yeah, it's closer to Illinois, Indiana. Okay. Getting, yeah, getting down there. Ooh, that's you got know a nice pop in the mitten. Nice big old pounder can. You know who else was in the mitten? What was that? Bunny, fox, even a bear. Come on, you guys never read the mitten? Remember that book where all those animals cram into that little glove? Man, this is just like that time he brought up that game Pit, and we never played it, that either. No. It, I feel like he grew up in a different country. <laughs> you never read the mitten when you were a kid? No. No. I had the Velveteen Rabbit, and then I... Oh, my God. Goosebumps. I know. R.L. Stein for life. The audience knows what I'm talking about. Anybody that grew up in the 80s has read The Mitten. Okay, because we well, didn't grow we... up in the 80s. And played Pitt. Guess not. <laughs> Whatever. I've never even heard of this brewery, Latitude 42. Where did you find this? Ohio. Ah, that explains a lot. <laughs> uh, they only distribute to Michigan and Ohio right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, they're a relatively new brewery. 
Okay. I believe 2013, but don't quote me on that. Now, if my senses serve me correct, this beer has exactly the same color as the last two that we drank. That Cara Cara orange haze to it. Yeah, it, it, this almost looks completely identical to the first beer. It does. It's the same color, same kind of head retention. Same clarity. Yep, same clarity. <laughs> the only thing that I will I will give this beer is it's a, it looks to have a little more uh, bubbliness to it. Yeah, I can see a little more carbonation. A little more carbonation on it? That's the only thing? Maybe because it's coming out of a glo- uh, can? Possibly. So. I, don't, I don't know, man. I jumped in and took a smell. Adam, smell this. Smell this beer. This beer is stupid. Ooh, <laughs> those hops smell good. Now, do we know what type of hops are in here? Didn't, did it say on the can? Uh, it does say on the can. I believe it's Columbus, Citra, Seven Seas, and Mosaic. Yeah, Citra, Mosaic, Seven Seas, and Columbus. Good job. Got them all. Without looking at the can. Bring them up. I am ready for this party to begin, guys. I'm taking a sip. <sighs> Sweet baby Jesus. No, no. That was last week. Party at the Moon Tower. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> this is weird. This is good. Because if this is supposed to be a double IPA and it's supposed to have a, a higher hot profile, it does not have the aftertaste that the, the single IPA that we had in, in segment one from <laughs> Shorts. It does not have that aftertaste nearly as bad. No, no, it doesn't. Yeah, I'll definitely give you that, but I think we kind of tried to identify, at least from what we know about hops, what hops were in the first IPA versus the one that were in here, and I, I guess the ones that are in this beer leave a much different aftertaste in your mouth than the Chinook or the Simcoe. Right. Of course, that also depends on how, how the hop profile was, very was true. utilized yeah. in each of these beers. True. You're obviously going to get very different uh, results depending on how, when, and how much you use. Yeah, if I had to guess, I would say they put most of their hops pretty early in the boil, because mm-hmm. again, we're talking, you know, we're talking about high alpha right. hops. And, and the nose versus the the taste, mm-hmm. there is a definite discrepancy. Mm-hmm. It's got a pretty big punch up front, mm-hmm. but uh, overall, really smooth. I could drink this beer, multiples of these this beer, and have a really nice party. Even if I'm by myself, I think I could. <laughs> a couple of these, and the party would really get started. A party at the Moon Tower. <laughs> You could even find maybe Pluto Nash up there. Eddie no. Murphy? No. What? They were on the moon in that movie, weren't they? Yeah. Like, notorious, one, one of the most notorious bombs of all time at the box office. This is a Fast Times reference. Party at the Moon Tower? It's, yeah. a, it's a what reference? Fast Times? Is uh, it not? No, dude. Dazed and Confused. Oh, shit. You're right. Yep. It's the Matthew McConaughey movie. It's got Matthew McConaughey. It's got uh, that other guy. <laughs> that other guy. <laughs> Judge Reinhold? No, no, no. Ben Affleck. Oh, Affleck. Mm-hmm. Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms, yo. That's true. Phantoms? Phantoms. Yeah. He was the bomb in Phantoms. Bomb. Banged off the Dean Koontz book. I don't read Dean Koontz. Who does? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess people have been noticing that we've been making a lot of movie references in the first so couple of minutes here. Perhaps we should jump into a more recent time, like now. The future. The future. <laughs> So that means it's time for the Summer Movie Preview Part 2. Now that intro was different than what I did in Part 1. Oh. See, I'm, I'm just changing this it up is more a bit. epic. You gotta make the sequel more epic. <laughs> the Moon Tower is starting to party inside of me right now, <laughs> and I'm just getting very excited to talk about more films. Are you saying that you have a Moon Tower inside of you now? Yeah. It's better than a Dark Tower. Uh, I, uh, I'm betting so, yeah. I'm not willing to consume the Dark Tower. 
That's getting cut. <laughs> no, it's not. That has to stay here. I'm done. I quit this podcast if that doesn't stay in here. Ah, shit. <laughs> well, let's move on, should we? So if you recall from last week, we talked about, we gave our first summer movie preview, which we actually just covered the months of May and June. So obviously, this podcast, we're going to cover July and August. Kicking off the 4th of July weekend is a big one, and that is the next entry into the Marvel franchise, which is the reboot of 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 Spider-Man, titled Spider-Man Homecoming. So we have a new Spider-Man in this one, Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. Who? New kid. New kid. <laughs> okay, so he's he basically made... Andrew Garfield before he was Andrew Garfield. Nah, no, he does his own thing. Hey. Uh, Honestly, would I know him from anywhere, anywhere no, else? Anything no, else? Uh, no. You would know him from Captain America Civil War, which is where Spider-Man debuted in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Ah, okay. So uh, I have to say, I don't know too much about this reboot, except Robert Downey Jr. is in it as Iron Man, and Aunt May is suddenly hot. Yeah, who, too hot. Who is playing Aunt May? Marissa Tomei. Yeah. Yeah. Now, granted, she's, the, she's unreasonably attractive. Because the last go around was, was Sally Field, right? <laughs> right. Right. And, I mean, you know, I, Sally Field's believable. She's a bit of an older lady. Yeah. She, I, I believe the woman who played her in the first set of three Spider Man movies. Toby McGuire. Yeah. I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but I think she did the best portrayal. She was Aunt May. Yeah, and she was the most accurate. Yeah. The, sa- the same way uh, J.K. Simmons was the most accurate J. Jonah Jameson. I want to some Spider-Man. Yeah. So, what, do, do either of you guys know what this... What was the plot of this one? I'm assuming it's just a setup for Infinity War, which is coming out maybe next year? Uh, I believe Infinity War is 2019. 2019 so is pretty much just 2020. filler to get to the big one? Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's technically all filler to get to the big one. But I can see that there's going to be Spider-Man movies after this. Okay. I'll be perfectly honest. The the same way that there's, like, Guardians of the Galaxy movies still Mm. and everything, like, they're going to continue after the Infinity War, I believe. Right, but that's that's the apex right now. That's what they're shooting for. Yeah, yeah, that's what everything's leading up to. I'm getting sick and tired of all these Marvel movies. Okay. Really? Yeah. I think they're really good. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed immersing myself in this universe. Did you see Doctor Strange? I have not. You know what? I think that one's really worth seeing. Okay. Because it was weird and different. Mm-hmm. The visuals are insane. See, in my in my mind, with all of these these Marvel stories, I I guess I don't necessarily have a problem with the fact that they're bringing all of these comic characters, comic book characters, to the big screen. Mm-hmm. It just seems like it. They are digging so deep into the catalog now. They're they're not leaving room for any more original stories that aren't even based on on comic books or other stories or things like that. They're they're just kind of muscling their way in using that Disney money now. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. That they're taking up a lot of space in theaters and a lot of space on release schedules and things mm-hmm. like that. I'd say just ride it out to twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> See what they do after that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not going to affect me. Yeah, I do enjoy some of these movies. I just, I, I just, it's always something coming out. Yeah, the, uh, always yeah. a Marvel movie coming out. Yeah, there is a, a bit of a fatigue setting mm-hmm. in. I'll admit. Um, but they all do so well. They at all the do box so well. Office. I mean, right. well, so well. We're old, so we're going to get fatigued. We are not. <laughs> we are not the target audience anymore. Twelve-year-olds can watch this shit over and um, over and, and over they and do. over. Yeah. Plus, I think 2017 is the first year that they actually have three Marvel movies coming out in the same year. 
Because you had Guardians of the Galaxy, which was just released. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man in July, and then that next Thor movie is coming out. That's November. Some Yeah, sometime later in the year, Jeez. November. And uh, here's the thing about all three of those movies. They have me more excited than most of the other Marvel films that have come out. Just because, like, one, Guardians of, Guardians of the Galaxy has already been proven mm-hmm. as just, like, a really fun, different, and weird. And to me, Guardians is a little bit different simply because it's so far out of any other universe. Right. Where it, it's going to be really hard-pressed for them to tie them into other movies. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, they'll, impossible. They'll, they'll, <laughs> I mean, they'll, they'll be there for the Infinity War. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, you don't see just, like, Thor popping up or yeah. Iron Man popping up. Yeah, Rocket is not going to be bounding around in the background yeah. in an Ant-Man movie. Yeah, I mean... At least not yet. Not yet. Shouldn't be. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty excited for the Spider-Man movie because... For the first time, we're not getting an origin story, I don't believe. No. Because okay. we've already seen him introduced in, in Civil War. Right. We already saw him introduced in Civil War. We know Spider-Man, and I believe this is picking up pretty much right after that. Okay, well, maybe that's a different tack that'll make things... You can jump right into the action. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to jump right into the action. Robert Downey Jr.'s in it. Kind of a Dark Knight yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Where you can just jump right in and, and ride along. Yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe, maybe well, we I don't. Can... We don't need another origin story for no. Spider-Man. No, we've seen, seen it twice. Everybody knows Spider-Man's story. Exactly. Yes. Well, everybody knows almost all of these character stories. Mm-hmm. Like I can understand Doctor Strange. Right. You want to give him an origin story? He's probably the weirdest and most out there of the characters. Right. But yeah, I, and uh, Michael Keaton's the bad guy. Yeah, Pittsburgh's own. Yep, Pittsburgh's own. <laughs> Pittsburgh's own. Playing the vulture. Nice. After coming off that Birdman film. (laughs) (laughs) How about that? Which was fantastic. Last uh, week we always went through and said if these are going to be a hit or a miss. What do you think? Spider-Man Homecoming. Hit or a miss, gentlemen? Easy hit. That's going to be a box office hit. It's going to be a critical miss. Really? Really? No way. I say it's going to be a critical hit. Box office hit. I I I think you're wrong about that. And I think you have to go by the fact that there's not a single Marvel film, I don't think. That dips below 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. Plus, Iron Man is in this one. Iron Man is like the best Marvel character. Robert Downey Jr. is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm willing to wait and see on this one. Yeah, I, I, think, I think part of it is, yes, I understand it is a reboot and it's not necessarily an origin story, but I have a hunch, and this is purely a hunch, I think that they're going to be leaning in on, on the stories from before too much, and it's just not going to work. Because one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to lean in on the stories too much from the previous generations. Nope. I'm going to stop you. I'm sorry. I'm going to stop you right here. Um, They're not going to lean into any of that stuff that occurred because all those movies before were Sony films. So they're not going to reference those. So they can't. Yeah. They can't. Okay. They're not going to reference any of that. I don't think Mary Jane's in this film. Okay. I don't think even Gwen Stacy's in this film. All right. I think he has a brand new love interest. Robert Downey um, Jr., that's his right, love interest. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I thought that was you, Sam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think you're wrong on that. that there, there's I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. I hope I'm wrong. Well, I just there's only one way to find out. Got to go see it Gotta July 2nd. Yep. So what's next oh, you know what? I apologize. I said, Ju- I said July 2nd. It's actually July 7th, right uh, after the 4th of July uh, weekend. My bad, my bad. All right, so next on the list comes out the following week, and I have to say, if I could only see one film this entire summer, it would probably be this one. Oh my god. And that is War for the Planet of the Apes. Have you guys seen the new 
films that have come out in the last couple years for the Planet of the Apes films. I saw the first one with John Lithgow and James Franco. I didn't see the follow-up. The follow-up is better. Okay. All right. Fo- I've heard that. It's, it's almost like it's a war film huh. where pretty much the entire movie is a battle between the humans and the apes. And that's pretty much the whole film. But okay. it has great action. It's got a lot of violence in it. And I, I don't know. You just you see so much of this conflict between human and ape that it kind of mashes together, but kind of is apart because you almost look at that. You almost look at the apes as well. I mean, I, I they're, don't know, another they're, another country. You're kind of set up to believe them as the protagonists. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I I find that interesting about these films that they went the route, and I don't know if it's just because they couldn't get James Franco back or something, <laughs> or, but they went the route with following Caesar, mm-hmm. the ape, as he's pretty much the protagonist of these films now. He's the lead, you know, and it, like he has like somebody to play off against. Like uh, this new one, he's playing against Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Now, granted, the the actor that that plays Caesar is really good. Well, yeah, Andy Serkis. He, right. He's been killing he, it for the past. 10, 15 years right. so, with the mocap. So it's it's not like they're just sort of hoping that that this actor can carry it. I right. mean, he's a known entity and he yeah. can carry a film. He has carried films before. And it's the strangest thing to me so far that they, they haven't found, like, if he doesn't get some sort of Oscar mm-hmm. before his, like, acting time is up, I'm sure they're going to give him some kind of Lifetime Achievement Award. Mm-hmm. They kind of have to. Now, I, I'm a, I'm just excited for this one, though. I do I do love Andy Serkis. I think he does a great job as Caesar. But I really like the other apes that are in the movie. And it's, it's interesting. You do find yourself kind of rooting for the apes in the long run, which, yeah. I mean, they're essentially taking over Earth, <laughs> these talking right. monkeys. And you find yourself, as the audience, almost rooting for them. Like you said, they're the protagonists. Yeah, like, as an audience member, you root for them as protagonists. But, like, if you're really in this situation... You'd be fighting tooth and nail not to... Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sitting at your house recording a podcast, you see a gigantic orangutan just bust through your fight front window. I mean, you better have some uh, high-powered utility ready to uh, fire upon him. Yeah, right? So, yeah, it looks good, though. I, I, I do want to see it, and I, I've enjoyed the last two films, and the second one got even better after the James Franco one, so I'm excited to see what this one does. All right, so you guys think this is going to be a hit or a miss? Adam, I don't think it's gonna be either. No, I think it's just gonna kind of be there. I might, it might be, you know, number one for a week or two, but it's not gonna be a smash. Yeah, it'll be number one for the weekend it comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it'll just kind of go into that night quietly. See, I disagree. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say based on the legs or the longevity of the last two films and how much internet buzz the, this one has been generating, I'm going to say it's going to be a pretty big hit and make at least over $500 million worldwide. I don't know. I'm kind of with Adam, but I don't know. That's the thing. is This isn't a series I follow that well, mm-hmm. so I can't say. Yeah, this is not I a don't, tour I, de force franchise. I don't, yeah, I don't it remember. It kind of is. I mean, it is. It's just one I don't follow. Is it, though? Yeah, no. It's been good enough to warrant making the other ones. <laughs> like, that... King Arthur film just came out, and it stunk up the box office. Okay. But I never heard about these films stinking up the box office. Right. But they, they, they just because they're good and they, they maintain and they made money, doesn't mean that they were a tour de force. They did not take over the conversation of the country. And that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Like I'll, with, I'll give you that. With, with your, your Guardians of the Galaxy, your Spider-Mans, yeah. your Avengers... That took over the national conversation. Fair enough. Yeah, I never, ha- I never had never to. do that. 
Yeah, I never had to actively avoid spoilers for these films. Right, true. I have to actively avoid Marvel spoilers yep. and shit like right. that. So, yeah, okay. That's yeah, the direction I'm going with. I get you. I get you. And for those that are curious, the first one, The Rise of the Planet of the Apes, that was the one with James Franco, made $481 uh, million worldwide so against close. a $93 million budget, which is pretty good. The second one made uh, The Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which in my opinion was even better, made $710 million worldwide against a $170 million budget. So, so it's definitely picking up steam. It, it is picking up steam, and I think this one could be the biggest one yet. Hmm, could be. We'll see. The last week of July brings about some interesting films, and one certainly has people talking, for better or for worse, <laughs> let's say that, because there's a lot of talking in this movie based on pictures, or emoticons, they, as we like to call them. Are they talking pictures? Talking, talking pictures, emoticons, Go whatever. Talking pictures, cost you. <laughs> That's why they called it the Nickelodeon. It cost you a nickel. <laughs> Which did you know? The first Nickelodeon was in Pittsburgh. Yes, I did know that. Oh shit. That's what happens when you go down to that cultural museum, and it, they got the first trolley, and then we got the first Nickelodeon. <laughs> and eventually, Rick Seaback will be there as well. Probably a stuffed Rick Seaback. Yeah. <laughs> How awesome would that be? <laughs> I don't think that's awesome, <laughs> stuffing Rick Seaback and putting him in the lobby for the Cultural <laughs> Museum. Maybe that's the way he would want it, though. Yeah, you guys totally just hijacked my introduction to this movie. I think maybe we don't want to talk about yeah, this movie. Yeah, I'm trying to avoid it. <laughs> we I'm have to talk honest. about the movie. This is something that everybody else is talking about, we got to talk about it, too. Fine. And that is, of course, the Emoji Movie. Now, God. what the hell is this? <laughs> Trash. T.J. Miller getting Garbage. a dump truck full of money backed up to his house. Is is T.J. Miller's dump truck of money as big as Patrick Stewart's dump I truck of money? I don't believe that he is can't in that be. movie. Okay, I can't believe he is in that movie. I don't want to you, believe you can in. You can deny that he's in the movie, but I, he's in the movie. I know. So for those living under a rock, just so you know, the Emoji movie is based on all of the different emoticons that you would find on your phone. This movie looks like so much shit. <laughs> what was the Pixar movie, Inside? Inside, Inside out. out. Inside Out. Okay, this looks like Inside Out for shallow people. Yeah. Because it's not emotions, it's just stupid symbols. <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna play huge in the 12 to 15 crowd. Will it? I don't think so. I think it will. I think this is going to be a busy bomb. I hope it is. I think I think maybe like a six-year-old with a head injury might enjoy this. <laughs> yeah. But no teenager would want to see a film like this. Absolutely not. Teenagers are weird. Teenagers are weird, but they're like 4chan internet porn weird. <laughs> <laughs> Making memes all day and... Playing video games? It, this movie definitely seems to be behind the times. Yeah, absolutely it, behind the times. Like, it was approved four or five years ago, and they just now got it finished, now that it is no longer relevant. Exactly. Th this sounds like the brainstorm of a studio executive's 11-year-old spoiled daughter, <laughs> and she insisted <laughs> that she get a movie about emojis. She got it. But she doesn't understand that it takes four years <laughs> to make these crappy animation movies. And now she's 15, 16. And she doesn't give a shit. She doesn't give a shit. She doesn't want anything to do with this thing. Dad, why did you make this? You're embarrassing me. And this, now they have to put it out anyhow. <laughs> and this is, of course, made by probably one of the worst movie studios <laughs> around right now. Sony. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but they can't stop making shit. <laughs> they can't catch a break. 
They can catch a break. They have to stop making bad movies. <laughs> That's true. I guess their big tentpole from last summer was that Adam Sandler trash Pixels. Remember that? That video game movie? I thought Pixels was a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, that was a couple years ago. Their big tentpole last year was Ghostbusters, which was also uh, trash. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, I thought Pix- Pixels. Yeah, I think it was two years ago. Yeah. It was Pixels. Yeah. This oh. looks abysmal, but, you know, those teenagers, now I'm thinking about it, maybe it will do okay because the Atomic Blonde also comes out that, that uh, week. And the teenagers might be buying tickets to the Emoji Movie and sneaking into Atomic Blonde. <laughs> that movie looks killer. Yeah, it does. I can't wait for Atomic Blonde. That actually, okay, I take that back. I'd, I'd, t- I'd see Atomic Blonde over War Planet of the Apes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Atomic Blonde looks amazing. Those trailers are killer, and Charlize Theron looks just amazing in it. Yeah. Uh, you guys know that that's the original director of the first John Wick film? doing that oh really yeah oh so this is like yeah. female john wick this is this is female john wick awesome yeah. well, nothing wrong with that yeah <laughs> i'm excited for that well, as long as she doesn't have the beard well okay <laughs> <laughs> all right so now we're moving into august and this is going to be pretty short guys because august has a whole bunch of nothing coming out the best thing coming out in august hands down and that is terminator 2 judgment day in 3d how Awesome is that? <laughs> a James Cameron classic coming back to theaters in, in 3D. 3D. Probably one of the best action films ever made. Mm-hmm. And, like, you can still watch it today. And it's still good. It's still good, and it still holds up. Mm-hmm. So I will be there in line for Judgment Day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. heck yeah. yeah. Yeah, if it's coming to a theater near us, uh, I'm excited about it, yeah. and I'm going to watch it. Yeah, we don't really even have to really discuss it in depth. It's just it's no, going to If you haven't seen Terminator happen. 2 by now, you're a fool. You mean like somebody who hasn't seen Dazed and Confused yet? That's different. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen Terminator 2 and Terminator 1. Nice. And Terminator 3. Not Terminator 4. No. I don't like McG. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. (laughs) He's a bit of a tool. So if you've never seen Dazed and Confused, how do you know how to party at the Moon Tower? Uh, Because I watched Aqua Teen Hunger Force and saw how the Moon Knights did it. (laughs) The Moon Knights? Yeah. All right, so let's get back to Party at the Moon Tower. We've had a chance to enjoy it. We've partied there. What do you guys think? I like this beer a lot. Me too. I really do like this beer a lot. It's got that big hot punch to it, but it's also just so smooth. It's not uh, It's not offensive to me. Definitely not offensive. It's got great flavor to it, and I don't know. I just, I like everything about this beer. I like tasting the hops. I like the combination of the four hops that they used. I feel that I can taste the different flavors of the hops and the only thing better than the beer itself is the can this can is awesome we're putting it on it putting it on instagram check it out on there because everybody's got to see this can it is bad to the ass <laughs> it really is what are you thinking adam i like the can okay the can is is in fact quite bad to the ass now as for the beer uh i, I am going to kind of cop out a little bit here I am not the right person to give the opinion on this beer because obviously it is a double IPA. I obviously am not a fan of double IPAs. It is not the worst double IPA I've ever had. However, this is not something that I would drink at all. Well, see, you just said that you're not the right person to give an opinion, but I think you're the perfect person to give an opinion. Is because the, the, I'm the kind of person that you should be trying to sway. Right. Well, in that case, this because is we, not... Because ex- we swayed you in the past with other IPAs. You have, and this is not one of them. Okay. Uh, the, I have, there is one or two other double IPAs that I have enjoyed. Uh, the Victory Dirt Wolf comes to mind. Mm-hmm. 
this is not that beer. Okay. All right, let's put them on the podium. Gents, what's your gold? What's your silver? What's your bronze? Adam, you go first. My bronze is going to be a party at the Moon Tower. I love the name. I love the can. I love the artwork. Uh, I, I assume that that Latitude 42 can make a good beer. Uh, it's simply because it turned you guys. You guys really like this beer, and you guys are much more IPA aficionados than I am. So I will take that into account. However, for me, for my personal taste, and as previously mentioned, I am not the person to be giving a descriptive or a fine report on these types of beers. I didn't like it, so it's third place. Second place uh, goes to, uh, not uh, not surprisingly, the single IPA from Shorts Brewing. Hoompa Loompa Delicious. The Hoompa Loompa Delicious. Hoompa Loompa Dumpa Dee Doo. <laughs> I've got the perfect present for you. I I did kind of enjoy the attempt at the the balance between the malt and the hops, but the hop aftertaste didn't do anything for me, didn't like it. And and I think the only thing that put it over the edge over top of the Latitude 42 was the Latitude 42 had a much more pungent smell to it, whereas the shorts did not. Okay, and, yeah. I th- and I think that's what put it over the edge ever so slightly. All right. So what that means for me to put in gold, and to be perfectly honest, is kind of a default position, is the Dark Horse and their Raspberry Ale. It is a good beer in terms of just relaxing with it. You are not going to impress your friends with it, but it's it's a good utility beer, and I would drink it again. Steve? Uh, let's see. I'm going to go bronze is that Dark Horse Raspberry Ale. Mm. And like you just said, it's utility beer. Doesn't impress anybody, really. I would totally drink it over, say, you know, like a butt or anything. Right, but I don't think that is the point of it, is to be in a a, a big, showy, festive beer. Nah. I don't believe that's what they were going for. No, and, and, and that's the thing. Like, this is twice now that we've not so much sung the praises of Dark Horse beers. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like that's a fair representation of them because they do have a lot of beers that I, I am, I'm a big fan yeah. of. Multiple beers from Dark Horse that are very, very good. Like right off the bat, I'm thinking the Two Nilla mm-hmm. and the Plead the Fifth and the Rain and Blood. Yes. Holy hell, I love those beers. Yes. I like the Scotty Karate myself. Scotty Karate's good love too. Love yeah. Scotty Karate. Yeah. But like all of those beers, are they're much better. We just haven't had them on the show. Right. Right. The, these the past two beers that we've done. Uh, between this and the Rail of Spar, just kind of a eh, yeah. Right. yeah. I don't think I've liked either one. <laughs> I think they're good. I think they're good enough to drink more than one, and I think they're good enough to drink over, you know, just regular crap beer. Mm-hmm. But eh, I don't think they're that great. Yeah. So that's the bronze, silver. I'm gonna put the shorts home. Lumpa lumpa delicious. I think it was a reasonable beer. I think it's not the theme park in the mouth. That it, it is says. not. It is not. And and I think that's just because the flavor is very solid and balanced throughout. It's just hoppy and malty and earthy all the way through. Hmm. Uh, when I hear theme park, I'm thinking twists and turns and ups and downs. It doesn't give me that. You know what would be a, a what I would use the theme park descriptor for? Huh. The white horse. The uh, rebellion red. Oh yeah, red. that rebellion red. Yeah, that's that, a theme park. <laughs> that is a theme park. That takes you places you didn't know you even wanted to go. <laughs> and a house it, of mirrors. It is a house of mirrors, and you go in several different directions. It's a scary fun house. <laughs> it is. It is, but that is a theme park. But this one by Shorts is not. No. 
And uh, so that for the gold is Party at the Moon Tower. Holy hell, this is a really good double IPA. It's like I said already, it's smooth. You really definitely, uh, like Sam has mentioned, he can taste all the different hops. I definitely get a prominence of the citra hop up front and the other hops kind of meld in with it and complement it. I think it's a great beer. Sam? All right, and last but not least, to no surprise, my bronze is going to be awarded to the Raspberry Ale. Didn't really like this beer. Even though Steven Adams said it wasn't that sweet, it was too sweet for me. So, didn't really like the raspberry flavor I was getting from that, so that goes to third. Uh, silver and gold are kind of a toss-up, but I think I gotta put the shorts, as Steve did, in the silver position. If it was more of a theme park in my mouth, I really would have enjoyed that maybe getting some more hop flavor to it. Well, I take that back. Not more hop flavor, but more hop variety to it. Uh, to really make a unique experience. If a beer is going to have a tagline like that, I really want to see them deliver on it. But I did really enjoy the shorts beer at the same time. I could drink quite a few of those. And last but not least, the gold goes to the Party at the Moon Tower. Great hop flavor, mask the booze, strong IPA, very solid. My first beer ever from Latitude 42, so I'll definitely be re revisiting them in the future if I can find their beers. And I'd like to check out what more of their cans look like and also, drink some more of that beer that's contained within. So, yeah. That's All right. it. Same All as right. you, Steve. Cool. Well, if you want to find us on social media in any kind of way, just search out Hop Nation USA. That'll get you Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you want to find us on SoundCloud or iTunes, you can do the same by searching Hop Nation USA. On iTunes, if you can leave us a review, five stars would be the best, and that helps us grow our show. If you have any questions, comments, or uh, anything... Suggestions, yeah. pictures. Pictures. Anything, Adam? No. Okay. Maybe, maybe. Just email me and Steve, then. Don't email Adam. Adam doesn't want emails this week. He wanted no. emails last week about hops, but he didn't want emails. Or and, I, and I got nothing out of you people. <laughs> you know what? I want pictures of the nineteen of a 1974 Dodge Monaco. Okay, so send Adam pictures of a 1974 Dodge Monaco to... HopNationUSA at gmail.com. That's all I ask. Well, boys, that about does it for the state of Michigan. We have drank our way through that state, even though of the 222 breweries, we only hit three. <laughs> but in another episode, we'll move somewhere else. I don't know when that will be or what state we'll move to, but hey, what the heck. We'll try another one here someday soon. So until that time, you can catch us back here next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Everybody uh, enjoy your weekend and happy drinking.